0: emsradio.com. EMS information for the next generation. The EMS Garage is a production of emsradio.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just search EMS Garage. You can find us on Twitter at EMS Garage. Email us emsgarage at gmail.com or call us 303-720-6001. Don't forget to join us at the ProMed booth August 29th through September 2nd in Las Vegas, Nevada at EMS World Expo 2011. The EMS Garage.
1: out right now. Okay, I got the the phone there wanting to know if uh, you can handle that call as well. Just confirming you are checking the patient. Yeah, I'm
2: 22,
0: so I'm EMS Garage, episode 142 for July 23rd, 2011. Chris the curmudgeon hello everybody and welcome to the ems garage i'm your host chris montera and we're a light bunch but we're heavily happy and uh, happy to be with you this week and we're going to be talking about issues that concern you in ems as we do every week however we're going to start off with a lighter topic and tell you what we're going to be doing in about uh, a month and two weeks or so. And we'll be at EMS world expo 2011 in Las Vegas. And that part right there is awesome because you should take that and run with it. Las Vegas, Nevada. It's going to be an amazing show about three to five thousand emts and paramedics come to that show um the largest show floor in ems expo history is what i've heard and it's going to be an amazing time to get together i know personally of about 50 or 60 people that are going to be there not including our team so if you're looking for us we're going to be on the show floor pretty much any day that the the convention show floor is open. So you can go downstairs, look at all the ambulances, look at all the new equipment, look at all the new stuff, come by our booth, hang out with us. Um, gosh, take me to dinner. That would be great. Or maybe even, you know, take Scott. He he would love that. Um, I, I heard he's poor cause he works for anyway. I'm just saying. So, <laughs> so come to EMS expo 2011 in Las Vegas, Nevada, it will be August twenty ninth through September second, and we're working on a hotel deal. We may not get it, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, I'm supposed to. Shh. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll edit that out, Scott. Sorry. Anyway, um, we love Scott Keir, and he's my first guest tonight. Scott Keir, how are you?
1: chris Montera, i am well it, it, the, the i promise i
0: will i will like, all they will hear at that party is and sky Kier who works for beep, and that's all they hear <laughs> that, they won't even know they'll be like oh my god what is that
1: well some people do consider it a swear word so i guess that's okay
0: okay all right everybody knows you work for the largest private organization in the world how about that
1: i have no idea what you're talking about
0: i don't even. um okay so how you been brother <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm doing very, very well. I'm, I'm excited that in um, T-minus roughly 40 days or so, I will uh, be graced with the presence of some of the, the greatest EMS folks that um, I've ever met. There's lots of fun stuff that's going to go, wait, gonna wait, be wait, going wait. on in Vegas. And trust me, I will be there for the entire time doing the whole Vegas experience.
0: You mean, you mean Greg Fries and Russell Stein are going to be there? That would be awesome
1: uh yes. I don't know. RJ? Is is no, Mr. Russell he, Stein he, won't, he
0: won't be there, he won't be coming. I know. Yeah, we're trying, we're trying, but uh, you know, we're trying. So uh Mr. Russell Stein. I know you're not coming, uh, yeah. but we love you anyway.
2: Yeah, well it happens. I know. I've- there's always there's always a, there's always a cold February in Baltimore. So
0: amen. No, actually, it's March. I think March. Whatever. Eh, February, well. March. It's all the same, really. It is. Actually, this year was lovely. It was like it was like mid 50s, 60s. It was beautiful when we yeah, were there. Was yeah, was
2: I I I, re- I realized how quickly I I, uh, I underestimated the weather when I got there.
0: <laughs> but you know what's well, funny? But you know what's funny is the people from the mountains like me. Um, really appreciate the people that actually have seasons. See, our, our seasons are like this. So about June, we get something called summer, maybe. So for about two weeks, we have to turn on our fan, open our windows and I get to wear shorts then something comes in that's called the monsoon and then it rains and it's really it's kind of chilly maybe mid 60s 70s the entire month of july and then august happens where it's a little hot it gets to the 80s which we're kind of annoyed with but it's like summer that's our summer then fall happens september october november so between somewhere in there there's a two week period where we actually see yellow cover yellow colors The leaves fall off the trees. The rest of the time, they're either green or they're dead. And then November happens, and something magical really occurs where it starts to snow. And then it snows, and it snows, and it snows, and then it snows. And then March comes and then a lot of people come from Texas and then there's a whole bunch of stuff there. Like, 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 and then, uh, and then April happens and all the mud comes, all the snow melts, all those skiers go home and then May happens and we still have a lot of mud, but yeah, nothing's green yet. Nothing, nothing's green. And then something magical happens June and then we're back into summer. So we have two seasons. Well, maybe kind of three. We have summer kind of. Fall, ish, and then winter, and then mud. Whereas, like, it, like back east, they had it was beautiful. They had it was beautiful. It was March. the The colors were coming out. The leaves were turning. It was turning green. It was warm. I was like, wow, this is what a March could be like. Instead of snow and like twenty degrees, it's beautiful.
2: We only uh, we only see that snow for about a two or three week period in December, and then it turns into uh it turns into spring about february and then it rains until may or uh may or june and then it just gets excruciatingly hot up until about november and then we get a little bit of fall and then some snow and then another rainy season so we have we have an excruciatingly long summer with brief periods of cool weather so it was it was nice it was nice in Baltimore to see uh to actually, you know, feel some cooler weather, but I seriously underestimated how cold it was going to be.
0: Now that's impressive that uh, it's actually colder that time of year than anywhere else. It's kind of odd because it was so beautiful. Also joining us, Miss Sam Bradley. Are you miss or mrs? I, I I don't I really never asked. I don't miss, know. Is. I guess oh, just the miss. Appropriate. okay. You're a Miz. Like an M-I-S-S or an M-S? Like, I, I don't know.
3: It's just M-S.
0: Okay. Well, you know. know All right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. How you been?
3: But I, I was wondering if uh, people were trying to guess based on your description of the seasons, if they were guessing what, because we really, the four of us were pretty spread out across the country. So I wonder if they can guess uh, where you actually are. Of course,
0: so uh, well. Oddly enough, RJ it's stuff. no it's no secret where I live. I've I've actually announced it many times on the podcast. So, but do you know where I so live? I, maybe you don't know. Maybe you don't know.
3: I know. Okay. All right. You know, your faithful, your faithful will know.
0: Yes, and it begins with a V and ends with an L, and there's an A and an I <laughs> in the middle. So, and then you figure it out. You figure it out. There's some terms in there, you know. Vile. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Very good. Nice job. <laughs> It is a beautiful. And I, it actually is a little vile sometimes. Um, <laughs> I live near there, but but I guess all seriousness. Well, all seriousness aside, no, all funniness aside. You know when I th- when I think about where we live and and what we do and this thing called EMS. Um, I look at the type of people that come to places like where I live. It's completely, it's always a resort community. So everybody that comes here is always on their least best behavior and they come to 8,000 feet, 9,000 feet and they think that they can drink like when they're at sea level. And oddly enough, mm. they, quick, they quickly find out that they can't. And uh, some of my best calls have been on new year's Eve where people think they can, but by 9 p.m., they're puking on themselves in the beautiful, like the most beautiful restaurant you've ever been in. But they're completely unconscious. And you're like, seriously? You're like, this is beautiful. And you had this beautiful plate of mussels. And, oh, what else is that in your puke? Okay. Yeah, that was like some shrimp tartare. I, I, I don't know. Tuna tartare. I don't know. But it was really good. And it looked awesome. So I really wish I could have had that for dinner. But, no, I'm cleaning up your puke while you're puking all over my body. Anyway, yes, pursuit so, so control
3: s- for fifteen years. So I totally appreciate what you're talking about. Exactly. They don't understand the whole concept of altitude and
0: new, no. all that. Well, but I, but do you do any of you do do any of the three of you live in a like kind of a resort community?
2: Mm-hmm. No, we need, we need Tom Vuletic to talk about resort communities.
0: Where does he like? I, I, what is he like? I said never knew.
1: Uh, Hilton Head Island, South oh, Carolina. Oh, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. What, what, I, what I like to call heaven. Yes.
3: <laughs> so apparently... Well, I'm close to San Francisco, but not. I don't really live there. I'm way used to that.
0: And San in, Fr- but San Francisco's so beautiful. Chicago. All right, so, okay, yeah. so that was probably the worst monologue I've ever done in EMS Garage history, according to Russell Stein. <laughs> So therefore, Mr. Scott Gear, please bring us back around and and talk about our first story of the night.
1: Absolutely, um, I would love to. Well, go back in time about two months or so, and um, I was in Washington D.C. at a little event sponsored by NAEMT called uh, EMS on the Hill Day, where we were put in front of our legislators and. Um, you know, we, we were we were basically lobbying for some issues that were important to EMS. We actually talked about it on a couple episodes ago on on Garage. Um, saw an article today on EMS World uh, with the title "Politicians Call for Public Safety Wireless Network." Basically, what it is is a bipartisan coalition of U.S. politicians have decided to go forward with the reserving the D block um, segment of broadband availability that would be dedicated for public safety usage. Um, all of this stemming from the 9-11 commission report. And of course, we're coming up on the 10th anniversary of, uh, of 9-11 here in a couple of months. And interestingly enough, one of the the biggest struggles that they had that day, and one of the biggest struggles, at least that I see in the systems that I work in, is a complete and total lack of interoperability when it comes to communication. To communication. And it's one of the things that the D-Block would would really help give us. And, um it's really nice to see that they're finally going forward with it and they're finally taking steps towards it. And this is one of the three issues that we were talking to our senators and our, our congressmen about. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a big win, if, if you ask me. It's, it's, it's a big win for um, a movement that was driven by providers for providers.
0: Oddly enough, I hear they're um, filibustering about that right now. <laughs> oh no no that was something different sorry balanced budget amendment sorry i'm kind of lost it's all it's is, all is, blending is in senator, it's blending is, in
1: is, is the senator from colorado giving a speech about the weather <laughs> <laughs>
0: no because unfortunately none of my senators are republicans they're all democrats so uh, we have two democrats in from our senate so that's too bad. there you go uh, Well, you know whatever are you, wait you're from massachusetts don't you guys all have like liberal senators out there or something crazy
1: I'm not not originally. I'm I'm from New Jersey. I'm a Jersey boy originally.
0: What is Jersey like uh Mafia party?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, dude, I did watch uh the Sopranos, so I know.
1: I know. It's hey, okay. Yeah, of course. You watch the Sopranos in Jersey Shore. What else is there to know? You can pretty much see how
0: <gasps> Oh okay, so funny story about Jersey Shore before we go back to the D block, which is actually a real serious story. Uh my my son's girlfriend who is from New Jersey went back there this past week, actually saw the whole cast from Jersey shore and they were in a big mall and they actually had to clear them via like some weird internet thing that they were working on. And they had to clear all the people before they could go in the show or before they could go in the store with all the people from Jersey shore. And I asked the girlfriend, I said, so were you able to get close? She said, no, there were like 50 bodyguards around the mall. So we didn't even get close. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of lame. So I I want to get to the status in my career where I have fifty bodyguards, and Scott <laughs> and Scott and Russell, you're going to be my first two. I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> awesome.
0: I don't know
2: about yeah. taking a bullet for you. That, that
0: I never I never thing, asked right? you to do that. I never asked you that. But I <laughs> may I may ask you to take a vodka shot for me. That's all I'm saying.
1: Hey, that, be that can be done. Right on. Yeah. So
0: Scott so is, and I will
2: take those shots all night for you. Yes. <laughs> Scott can make money.
0: Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I know you can all drink me under the table, so that's not a problem. So let's talk about the D block and talk about what that means for public safety and EMS, because I think it's important to understand that, you know, a lot of other companies are interested in this, including AT&T, Verizon, Google, and a bunch of other industries that say, hey, we should be allowed to come into the same space and take that over and really be a part of this 700 megahertz system that has been uh, abandoned by the television networks when they went to all hd so how can we as ems providers really take advantage of that and and really what is the advantage to that i mean i have 800 why do i need some other block for me really
1: well i think it more comes down to interoperability it comes down to having a platform where we can all operate on and and that like i said that was one of the Big things that came out on a 911 is is just the total breakdown of communication. It gives us a backup system to use. It gives us something that we can use nationally as well. Because let's face it, um, right now, what might be my main frequency here in Massachusetts, if I drive two states over, might be used by a busing company. You know what I mean? Everybody's system is different. So if you can set up and establish a nationwide system, uh, the the benefits are going to be are going to be huge.
0: But wasn't that 800 megahertz? I mean, when we started this years ago and said, ooh, 800 megahertz is where we're going to go, and and Colorado has gone to that kind of almost by and large the entire states on this large network of 800 megahertz radios where i where i in my hometown of the begins with a v and has an l and a couple a and an l and an i and whatever else you want to put in there um i can talk to anybody else in around the state uh, by merely switching my radio to that area's channel so I thought that that's kind of what 800 was. It was kind of this ubiquitous system that was the end-all, be-all. I can move data over the 800 megahertz system. I can encrypt my 800 megahertz system, and I can talk over it. W- what else do I need? Why-, why do I need 700? I just don't get it.
1: Well, 700 also gives other abilities. I mean, it, it's expandable. Uh, it's... It's it's a it's a diverse setup. It, it it's something that you can transmit data across as well. It's something that you could easily set up a, a hospital link to as well and, and actually almost do like a FaceTime setup with the doctor in the emergency room. Rather than simply being their eyes and ears, you can actually bring the doctor up to speed in real time as to what's going on as far as online medical control goes. Um but Obviously, the 800 megahertz system hasn't worked because here we are 10 years later and um, I don't have an 800 megahertz radio. And the only people that do in the state that I work in is the is mass state police and anybody who wants to contract through some private contractor that set up a network. You know, um, I can I can honestly tell you that in the city that I run in uh, the fire department, the and the ambulance and the uh, police department are all on different bands. They can't talk to each other. Um, I go two towns over, and they're on different bands as well, and different frequencies. There's no interoperability. It's it, it's completely broken down. And what was going to be great about 800 megahertz has, as a result, become fragmented. And there's a need to start from scratch.
0: Oh and, come on, Ser- start from scratch again. We've already done, but we've done this. And oh uh, man, I guess maybe the best part about 700 megahertz is I can also get my news at eleven. Coming up, Absolutely. News at Eleven, Action News. You know, whatever. Right. I, I'm just saying. You know,
2: when I when I worked for flight, when I worked for the flight service in, in in Dayton, we had a radio system that we played around with, but it, you know, it really wasn't widespread throughout the whole rest of our little fleet. But um, we were. It was. It was kind of. I forget the name of it now. It's been a while since I've since I've heard it. But we were. Uh, I'll give an example. I was driving down near the Ohio River. I mean, which was. Eighty miles away from the hospital, and and I was still able to talk to the dispatcher as clear as 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 it was as if I were two blocks away on on one radio system. And you know, I always wondered what happened to that. If, if is that part of this, or uh, I don't even remember what it is. But I thought they said something about it being satellite based or something like that. But I really can't remember. It was it was pretty intense though. We were we were able to drive you know hundreds of you know clear to the other side of the state and still be able to talk to him via the radio
1: um i don't know if it's the nextel basically nextel based satellite system that that was in existence um i'm just kind of scanning the article it's 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 been a while since i read up on it it's been a couple of months and i've had a lot of glasses of wine since then um But the one interesting thing that I find from all of this, uh, just to kind of change gears real quick, is one of the ways that they're talking about funding it is they're talking about getting some of these companies to donate back their uh, their, their, their unused portions of their frequencies. And they're actually going to have an incentive auction to help pay for what will be the public safety network that's going to cost about $12 billion to set up.
0: Okay, so I'm still confused. So we're trying to set up a network that's redundant to 800 megahertz that takes the place of VHF and UHF that we've been using for years that apparently works, just doesn't work well because we haven't all been able to talk because my jurisdiction has this one and I'm not going to give you access to that one, whatever. Uh, Call me the skeptic in this crowd, but I don't see it working. I think that 700 megahertz is a hoax and D block is just another way for public safety to get our our hands around another piece of the pie that we quite honestly don't need. I'm just saying, I think that it's a, it's kind of like this user created need, like, oh, we need that. And it's going to be important to our industry because we can now do telemedicine. Oh, BS. We can do that now via 3G and 4G. it's all like it's it's this crazy idea that we're we're trying to i I, i'm a conspiracy theorist in this but i think that it's wrong and we're trying to create an an undue need in everywhere but scott you go ahead because i think you have the other side of this of this but i'm just saying that i think that it's a hoax and it won't create a better communication system ever until everybody sits down around the table and says this is what is ems channel this is what oh wait we had those years ago that was called the inlec channel that was called the here channel that was called the fern channel and then we went away from vhf and now none of us carry that channel and we, now and now none of us can talk to state to state whatever i'm just saying
1: well, I, you know, Chris, here's the other piece of this, and, and the other thing that I that I really think that you're overlooking is, this is the U.S. government taking a look at something, at, at EMS, at public safety, and actually making an effort, at least in theory, to improve it. Whether you, whether you agree with it or not, or whether you think that it's it's a good move or not, at least people are starting to sit up and take notice of what's going on with us.
0: So, it's a off you way, trust it's a the government? The so, you trust no. the government?
1: No, of, of course I don't completely okay. trust the government, just making sure, but it's how just we're making gonna, sure we're clear. It's it's how we're going to get things done there, Mr. X files. I mean, <laughs> we've we got to get our foot in the door somehow, you know what I mean? And if and if this is an opening to to get some people to listen, then then it's an opening.
0: Uh, okay, I'm still skeptical because I think that it's garbage and I think that again, we as public safety, quote unquote, are trying to take a block because it's available. If it weren't there, we wouldn't we wouldn't want it and we maybe we'd want 2.4 gigahertz gigawatts (laughs) so we could could power our future mobiles (laughs) oh wait that's that was back to the future sorry i'm just i digress
1: nice does that make you dr doc brown 120.21 one twenty point twenty one gigawatts. Anyway. That's it. Yeah. That's it. So that's really all I have on that. That's but well, let's
3: take that concept to a slightly different place. And you guys have been kinda of saying it, but getting off the tech piece of this, just talking about Scott, you were talking about the fact that you know, fire and EMS in some areas don't talk to each other. Why is that? Why is there such a lack of interoperability? And the fact that you still have an area where people can't talk to each other, it's not like the technology's not there. Now we are pretty lucky in our county uh, the departments are pretty tight with each other. We work well with private. Um, there are disaster caches of radios that if we have to put every fire department on the same frequency, we can do that. We've got the aeromedical frequency. We can There's, there's a number of options, but I think part of that's the attitude that maybe because this is more of a, a suburban, leaning and rural type of community, I think there's more interest in interoperability. And, and in all these years... You know, it's just, it's, one of you said it earlier, so I, uh-huh. well, I don't want you having access to my channel. I was, this is just because I, I sat all day in San Francisco in one of our, uh, we have a uh, statewide fire chiefs group, and we always talk about what's the legislation. It's a very fire-centric, but what's all the legislation that's going to affect the state fire departments? And there's always these issues, especially in this economy, with private versus public, And and I just, it, it makes me sad that, EMS and fire somehow just can't work together for the benefit of the public. I mean, that's what we're all here to, to do. And so this is just a little different spin on this thing. But I guess that's what's coming out of my head. I just wish it was different. I'm the eternal optimist. I'm sorry.
0: That put you guys to sleep? It, well, no, I, I guess. All right. So here's my, here's my problem with what you just said, that I have my turf and I'm protecting it. And I think that it's the best turf ever. And I'm not letting it go because it's my turf. And you can't talk on my channel because if inevitably you talk on my channel, maybe you'll be taking me over. And, gee, unless the federal government mandates it, I'm not going to do it. Gosh, because it's so hard. I have to replace all those pagers for my volunteers. And, oh, wait. Now I'm sounding like a volunteer fire department, oddly enough, that needs to buy a lot of pagers and and do you know what else happens on eight hundred megahertz that you can't do? or that you can do on VHF that you can't do on, on 800 megahertz. Yeah. You can't tone, you can't send across a PL tone to open up a frequency to say beep this pager at this, um, at this PL tone. So kind of a problem. So a lot of the fire chiefs as they sit around the nation and the volunteer forces that we have that, that currently serve our, our rural areas say, you know, uh, Really have no need to go to eight hundred megahertz because there's no way for me to basically get a hold of my staff and have them have a normal life while they're off duty where they aren't listening to the radio twenty four seven like me. So how do we make this happen in a world where you have VHF and UHF? Is at some point the the basically the FCC going to come out and say, you know what, from this day forward, no more VHF, no more UHF. You have to be on block. you have to be on 800 megahertz whatever the case may be because they they inevitably see a, a a point behind this and last last thought this is all driven by this is all driven by one thing one thing only motorola because they see dollars every time we change a frequency it's big bucks so if you want to buy an xt 2500 what does that radio cost 2500 come on seriously I don't think that they have that... I mean, if my MacBook Pro costs less than that, and it's bigger, why does my radio cost that much? I mean, seriously. Just saying.
3: Well, that's the thing, too. They can't mandate all these changes if somebody's not willing to pay for them, especially volunteer departments. They don't have a lot of extra money running around. It's like, we want you to be on this frequency. Well, yeah, okay, who's buying that equipment? That's not right.
0: Okay, so there's, there's a lull in the show there? Seriously? All right, so... Russell's. Every I know. time we talk it gets
3: quiet. What's up with that? Know.
0: It's like cricket. Cricket, <laughs> she was awesome. That. I don't know. Um you guys we, so all inspiring. We've also had somebody join the show since then, Mr W M dot Or for those of you in the know, randomward.com or whatever. So random Ward. Huh. Go ahead. I think that'd be a cool website. Random Ward. Where you could well, like, maybe but it would be like a mental institution. Random Ward.
1: <laughs> well, maybe Thanks. as a, a fellow uh, attendee of uh, EMS on the hill day and somebody who actually heard this on NPR a couple of weeks ago i mean random buddy friend help me out i'm i'm getting beat up by the little guy here um,
0: did you just call you me mean? little guy seriously <laughs> yeah, just because i'm it. hey i'm i'm short but i'm powerful baby
1: indeed well, you are I don't know sir
4: you've seen scott maybe. but you know scott kind of dwarfs you i'm pretty sure he dwarfs me <laughs>
1: We we're actually just talking about the D block legislation that's that's pushing through in the Senate.
0: And I oh. think and I think it's bunk, but Scott thinks it's the next best thing since sliced bread because it's gonna make us all sing kumbaya. I think it's all crap. But that that that's my opinion.
1: I think it's a foot in the door. I, I really do. I, I think it's it's the government finally sitting up and taking notice of public safety and I, okay. I think it's a step in the right direction.
4: All right, well how about this what was that, Sam?
3: I said, you got to be the tiebreaker here.
4: You got to. Okay, well, I'm going to give you guys a heads up. I am at work right now. I literally just walked in from a call and saw that I missed a Skype call.
0: Which is totally cool. Um, That's why EMA's garage rocks because you can get people on duty and they may leave at any moment. Anyway, go yeah,
4: ahead. Yeah, and I hope that my disdain for my day comes across in my tone of voice. Um,
0: Did you have to wipe any so- butts? Seriously. Okay, just go
4: my uh so so d block um chris how many radios do you have in your ambulance
0: in my ambulance one
4: yes one yes does that work for everything you need to work worry about
0: yeah it's got 800 megahertz what else do i need
4: yeah um well my ambulance until about three years ago had three
0: yeah you had vhf uhf and 800 didn't you Mm-hmm. which is exactly my argument that that this is that 800 megahertz did nothing. So we're going to add now a new block of 700 megahertz to add yet a fourth radio to your system that absolutely talks to nobody. Nobody listens to and it is dead air. I'm just saying that it's a waste of time.
4: I think that if we get if everybody gets on board with it or or if the if the more important jurisdictions get on board then we can we can start influencing change from for the radios because i know that once 800 once my my local jurisdiction went to 800 megahertz the other one started to change as well and that made it easier now it is relatively easy except for one jurisdiction to the south of me it's it's fairly easy to talk back and forth
0: because you're on 800 megahertz right mm-hmm. and uh- uh, wow. It's kind of become the ubiquitous system. And can, can over your 800 megahertz system, can you transmit data?
4: Uh, yeah. we've been told we can.
0: You just haven't done it yet.
4: No, cause nobody wants to set it up.
0: Okay. Right on. So, I'm just saying that the, the same promises that they gave us when they gave us 800 megahertz, they're giving us with 700 megahertz because somebody in DC thinks it's important for us to have two co- coin conjoining bandwidths that we really should be giving to Google. I'm just saying, Google would give us like billions of dollars for that bandwidth and. Uh, you know, then they could have like a bunch of Android phones on it and we could all be singing Kumbaya and I could download apps a lot faster. Just saying other than me getting another thing that I have to put in my ambulance and, and pay Motorola about $20 bajillion to put in my put in my County and make sure it works because it, it won't work and it's not going to ever work until we decide on one system. VHF UHF 800 slash Next thing. And it's, it's all bogus. 1.21 gigawatts, whatever it is. So
4: I take it. You're rather passionate about this, this issue.
0: No, I'm not passionate. I'm just pissed off about it because it's stupid. It's another government conspiracy to make me think that I have to buy a new whatever and it's Motorola at the back end or it's the companies at the back end lobbying saying we need to have this because we can sell more radios and and it's really about it's really about bringing people together and it's about making sure that we have combined communications all the time and and it's like kumbaya in the back of the ambulance and and when they're all in buildings we we know they can all talk it's a bunch of bs i will
4: i will I will entertain that idea. Um, however, given that currently most of my radio consults occur with a BlackBerry, because my radio is such a piece of crap that I can't access. I cannot actually call the hospital that's two miles down the road. Um, I'm not really in a position to, con- to, to, to comment on, uh, on radio versus not radio, because currently uh, my 4G works really well.
0: And that was exactly what I said earlier. As I said, we should be talking about cellular systems and how we can integrate better with three G and four G and making those data systems work for us so that we have a much better system instead of building a new network. That's going to be crap. Quite honestly, we should, we should sell off this 700 megahertz system to something that's going to make the United States money and, um, not make a private company, money because they want to sell us a new widget and put up more towers and say that well actually it's showing that our propagation study says that we need actually more towers than we did when we built you an 800 megahertz system so uh you're gonna have to pay like four billion dollars more than you paid originally seriously come on it's bogus It's it's a bunch of garbage
3: Chris, I wouldn't recommend going after Motorola as a sponsor if they, if they listen to this podcast. Yeah. You
0: know what? Here's my here's my problem. I will pick on anybody that thinks that their capitalistic way is better than what is actually open source and good. So, um Google, kinda good, a little bit evil. Apple a lot evil, a little bit good. Microsoft, completely evil, no good. And then we go from there. So I have no problem picking on anybody that thinks that. It's not about sponsorships for me. It's about telling the truth. And it's about saying, Kenwood, oh my gosh. <laughs> Did you ever ever have a Bendix King? Come on. Those were the best radio. Yeah. Oh, man. The Bendix King rocked. So I'm just saying. Anyway, so... It's not for me about finding a sponsor. It's about telling the truth on this show. And we're the Seinfeld of EMS. We'll talk about anything. And this one has kind of pushed my button. I don't know why, but I'm just kind of over that edge of I don't want to buy something new. I'm over it. I don't need carbon monoxide monitoring i don't need something new in my ambulance that tells me the time of day i just want to go take care of patients at the end of the day and tell me where to go and tell me where to take them that's what it's about it's not about all this new stuff so anyway scott sorry to kind of derail you there but your your topic kind of just set me off a little bit as the curmudge i guess i'm the curmudgeon tonight sweet
1: hey you know what a little Chris, passion said- is a good thing sometimes you know
3: If you weren't opinionated, this would be a very boring podcast.
0: I'm just doing, I'm doing, I'm doing it for you. As
4: would most talk radio shows.
0: That's true. 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 Uh, so I'm the government's conspiracy guy. You guys are all thinking it's good. It's good. So I'm the Rush Limbaugh. You're the (laughs) Sean. (laughs) I I could be Sean Hannity. I could go either way with that. Whatever. Uh, (laughs) That's brutal. Apparently, I only listen to right-wing radio, so I, I don't. I don't know the other side. So anyway, well there's, well, there's the Tom Hartman show that I listen to, which is actually really good. Makes me laugh. Makes me laugh a lot. Um, the other one that makes me laugh is Alex Jones. Have you ever heard that guy? Kind of crazy.
1: Oh, I, you think you boy, think you think, I, you
0: think I'm oh. conspiracy oriented? That guy is conspiracy oriented.
1: Just at least so. he didn't. At least he didn't mention Jesse Ventura. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Please, you,
2: you want conspiracy? You can't look any farther than Glenn
0: Beck. Oh, that guy cracks me up, though.
1: I oh, mean, he, his, him and his blackboard. I
0: love it. His show is actually funny. I mean, Canceled. it's it's. But you know what, though? It's the fusion of entertainment and conspiracy it's like yes it's
2: he, he does he does I the see. entertainment factor very well whether or not he actually gets the facts correct is another
0: story well that but but see but as a good consumer of of content on the internet radio wherever you want to consume it you know that and you're like gee this guy is crazy like me right now i'm crazy about not liking 700 megahertz apparently scott loves it I could take a piece of sliced bread and tell you it's the best thing since sliced bread. I don't I don't know that we, as an industry, really debate these issues enough. We just go, oh, that sounds good. Let's do it. Instead of really thinking about the consequence of what does that mean nationwide to about... I know in my state we have about 192 licensed ambulance services, which means we probably... In between that, we have about uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of mm, 10,000 ambulance, uh, maybe 8,000 ambulances licensed in the state. And we have about 20,000 licensed providers. That is a lot of radios to put out there on 700 megahertz. Just saying. And you can huff and puff and your mic. You at me all you want. Just go ahead.
1: I'm not huffing or puffing
0: a little bit you were
1: ah, it's like I said, for, for me a lot of it I think comes down to the message behind the fact that somebody sat up and take notice of and took notice of us that's I, I, I really think you have to put some stock in that
0: okay that I would agree with you with that we actually now have a voice in DC which is good I love that. Um, And it's not about Medicare reimbursement, and it's not about trying to figure out how we get more dollars. It's actually about a a piece of legislation that we can wrap our arms around. I actually, okay, on that, I will agree with you with, because that is a good thing.
1: Fantastic.
0: Okay, next topic. (laughs) 39 minutes in.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Boy, oh boy.
0: I got to jump. Guys gotta call. oh random ward's leaving. Okay, we love random ward. Um random ward.com maybe. I don't what is his website? He's gonna get
1: randomparamedicine.com. Uh random, random medic, random medic, random medic.
0: Ooh, random paramedicine. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that domain right now. It
4: used to be randomparamedicine.com, it's gone now.
0: uh what did you do with it?
3: Over on FRN.
0: All right, you better you better go on, go. go on your call. Go on your call, go on your call, go bye, bye bye. All right, some somebody's dying. Go. All right. Uh so next subject Mr. Kier.
1: Oh no, this is I thought it was on somebody else. I
0: thought you had I thought you had all the subjects today. I had the one
1: Wait, wait.
2: What, you just forget about me and then
0: Oh wait, wait Russell, Russell, sorry. One of you, one of you guys had another subject I couldn't remember who.
2: Yeah, we uh, I've actually got two of them and they're actually one of them's related. Uh we had a, we've had several issues with, with waiting at hospitals, and, and and somehow the news here in Memphis caught up to it. And they uh, they started running the statistics on how long we wait at hospitals uh, in the waiting to hand off patients to the emergency room. And they've actually said that uh, in three weeks, our uh, our fleet of ambulances, though there's 33 of them, spent an equivalent of 53 days waiting to offload patients at an emergency room. Actually, put them in a bed, and they they ran they ran some more numbers and found that that on average last year we ran out of ambulances in the city about every other week, and we we were waiting at the hospital uh, one in particular about an average of forty five minutes, uh, and, and it it kind of struck me as odd what the uh, when they questioned when the news went and questioned the uh, the ED director for the for the hospital system. He basically said um, he basically he basically blamed the economy, followed by blaming EMS that, uh, well, if they've been if they he basically said if they've been sitting there for three hours, they need to tell somebody. Well, if we've been waiting for three hours, uh, that's pretty obvious. And then uh, he he made another comment when, when, you know, they were talking about. You know how important it was that that the ambulances be available for calls. He basically he he said flat out, "I don't, I care about the patients. I don't care about the city's resources." And that kind of blew me away as somebody who's either oblivious to the to the to the reality of modern healthcare or just completely out of touch uh, with reality at all.
0: Isn't that kind of the same thing? Uh, I'm worried about this. I'm not worried about the city's resources, but I'm worried about the parent, the patients. Hmm. Yeah, kind of yeah. the same. Thing. Yeah,
2: we we can't bring you any more patients if we're sitting in your hospital.
0: How many hospitals do you cover?
2: Uh, we have uh, we have three in one system, two in another. So there's five, six, and then are we counting the women's hospitals or no?
0: Wow. One's General- you ones you transport to routinely, uh, not the uh, ones that are like in labor. Oh my God, we got to get them to the other one. Uh,
2: six or seven.
0: Okay, so of those, you spent in one month, fifty-three days on, in one hospital. Now, is that is that the same for every hospital, or is that just that one hospital?
2: It, it's 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 uh, from the way they have explained it is it's our aggregate wait time in three weeks for yeah, all, for all, for, all
0: for all hospitals, right? And how many ambulances you have on the street every day? Thirty-three. Okay. So, wow. That's incredible. That actually is kind of scary in the fact that six hospitals in a metro area with 33 ambulances can't get their act together enough to figure out, okay, we're on divert at this time. We're not on divert. We either figure out that we're going to take all the patients or not, because the need for your system resources would go down if they would take, if they'd be able to take the patients.
2: Yeah. And it comes from a, from, from my opinion, is it comes from an unwillingness to change because as far as they see it, they don't have a problem. We're the ones with the problem.
0: Well, because you keep bringing them all those patients, doggone stop bringing them all in, and then they wouldn't have a problem, right? Yeah, that's, okay. that's basically the way they present it.
2: Is that, is that we wouldn't have backup problems if EMS weren't bringing us all these patients. And that's the attitude of the people in the hospitals.
0: If, if people weren't calling 911, doggone it, we wouldn't be so busy.
2: That's what I tell them. <laughs> <laughs> is that oh, we, can't, we can't make them not call. And we can't not go when there's a call. So we're kind of backed into a position where we can, where we can try to sort out the good, the ones that need to go and the ones that don't need to go, but ultimately, if they demand transport, I mean, we're we're stuck. We can't we can't say no. OK, it is it's part of the problem. So why but, can't you why
0: can't you guys do like a paramedic initiated refusal saying, dude, not only do you not need to go by ambulance, but we're going to give you a cab voucher to go to the nearest urgent care and get your sniffles taken care of or whatever the case may be. Why can't well, you guys why, why, why can't you do that? that? Exactly,
2: and and that's exactly one of the points that was brought up. Is that we is that okay? Let me put this in perspective. The city of Memphis has three hundred plus active paramedics, and that's that's spread across three shifts. Uh, Training for to do any sort of thing like that, training and education to do any sort of thing like that would be ridiculously long. So by the time you actually finish the training people that, that got at the beginning would be forgetting. So it would, you'd be on a, on a near constant, you know, uh, refresher cycle. And then, you know, who's, who's to say that they just don't get lazy one day. And, you know, you have a person that, that called for, you know, diffuse abdominal pain and they get a voucher to go to a, you know, they don't do a, a proper assessment or they, they're just not thinking clearly or, or whatever reason comes up with, they get a cab voucher. And on the way to the and on the way to the urgent care, they have a triple A rupture. You know, and that's hey, yeah, That's it's the whole scary part about it is, and that's why it'll. It's that's why it's one of those issues.
0: Do you not do you guys not have the internet where you're from? I'm talking to you, aren't I? Oh right. So there's no way for you guys to get out. <laughs> so there's no way for you guys to get out a bunch of information quickly to all of your providers and train them in the same way. I don't know, like CenterLearn, Ninth Brain, a, YouTube, it's a, it's UStream. Not
2: a, it's not a distribution issue so much as it is a retention issue.
0: Uh, so, are you saying that I'm not? I'm not I, I can't even go there because I'm being really nice tonight. G- so,
2: it, wh- It's very, it's very easy to skip
0: through that stuff and then just BS
2: the test at the end
0: you're right. So why don't you have good quality control that will pick up on at the end going, you guys were either smart or dumb, not taking this person to X facility versus Y facility. And I think in a high performance system, you guys could be really good at moving patients through. And this is what pisses me off when we start talking about, Alternate destinations and paramedics, and maybe we need—maybe you need to take that 300 paramedics and train 30, and just say, "There's 10 per shift. You guys are really good at the Omega slash Alpha calls. We're going to send you guys to all those because you're really good at that, and you can refer to alternate destinations. And then the rest of them can do 911 calls. And this starts small. I mean, it doesn't have to be—it doesn't have to be ubiquitous. You don't have to put it through the entire system to make it work. You can start small.
2: Well, you're Why not? talking about you know, and you're talking about deploying a system like that in a in an urban system that that easily that that uh, with a population of like 1.7 million at the high uh, you know at its height.
0: You mean like and what it, you mean like what Skip Kirkwood did or like what Matt Zavatsky did?
2: Yeah, but in a much tighter area.
0: Right. So- so,
2: we 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 would be spread so thin with thirty, it would be ridiculous.
0: Okay, so then hire thirty new. I I'm just saying it it can be done. I mean, you wouldn't it, need. It, it, I guess you it, wouldn't need the thirty if you're taking. Let's say you took forty percent of the calls out of your system. Yeah,
2: that's kind of a good point. It's it, it's it's more of a. It, it's not necessarily, you know, just our problem. Is kind of the thing. Is that it's kind of it's it's a it's a it's not an easy. It,
0: fix. It's a problem with medicine in general, and I agree with you. But I'm, d- and I'm trying to debate tonight because I'm just kind of in that mood. So you know, That's stop not- me. You know, so have have uh, Mr. Gary Ludwig call me when, when, whenever you're ready. But oh, he I, listens. I know sorry. he. I know he does. So Gary, sorry, <laughs> but I th- I think you guys could be doing so much with so little. You start with two. I don't care what you do. I mean, I think that there's a way. Scott, go ahead because I know you're dying to jump in on this one. Go ahead. I, I,
1: I am because you know you, you make the comment that uh, the the issue here goes goes far beyond a medical issue. The the issue here goes goes far beyond anything. The the, the bigger issue here, I think, is the community. We have such a knee jerk reaction when something goes wrong. You know. Russell mentions, you know, that that AAA patient that you'd put in a cab. If you're going to do a system like this, you're going to realize that when you deal with huge volumes of patients, there's going to be a small percentage, unfortunately, that slip through the cracks. England has accepted it. Europe, you know, Europe as a whole, it seems, has accepted it the way that they have the their systems designed over there it's gonna happen the problem over here is when it happens we have this knee jerk reaction and we change everything based on that one call so the system the the, the problem is a natu- is a national cultural issue i think and and until we can get past that and and let people know that you know while we're gonna have some slip ups along the way here it's gonna happen you know not not every not not every interaction is going to go one hundred percent how it's supposed to go. It, it's going to be something. It's going to be difficult to push in a large system like the one that he has. Uh, okay, I and I, and and I agree and, with you. Go ahead, Russell.
2: And and, and 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 another issue as far as cultural goes is that is that America in general is very litigious. So you may have one screw up, but it's going to be that that one screw up that costs you a lot. You know, in, in more than just. You know, and more than just uh, a financial issue too. I mean, you could, I mean, they if they lay one of those one of those dangerous lawsuits on you for that one screw up that you may have had in all good intentions, it, it's it's going That's what's gonna happen is that knee jerk reaction, and you're they're gonna say no more multi million dollar lawsuits. This has got to go. So we need and, more and socialism. It only, it only so you're ad-
0: so Russell's advocating for more socialism. I'm just hearing you right, right. I'm just, I'm, I'm, dude. I'm teasing you. I'm trying. I'm just trying to evoke a political debate. Sorry, I, I'm just in that mood. Sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm advocating. Well, that's what,
2: that's what Scott was saying.
3: That you know, one thing like that is going to have Ramakap. It's it's going to be like a tsunami going through EMS and everybody's system because everything is going to change because of one issue. That happens somewhere else,
0: which is how we are all the time in the United States. We're knee jerk. Oh, my God. One guy turned his head one time and died and he had a C collar fracture. So we can never clear C spines in the field. Uh, which, which is a bogus story, by the way, if you've ever heard that one. Yeah, it's like some instructor stood up in front of you one time and said, Yeah, so one service that I heard of one time, the guy was walking around on scene, and they start, started to clear his C-spine, and he turned his head, and he died immediately. He was dead right there because his C-spine was so fragile that he turned his... No, it doesn't... It, that, that does not happen and i i guarantee somebody's going to email me and go well one time i heard this guy on our service that actually that happened i mean i'm sure it happened
1: maybe one time big, well it's, it's like it's but like we should be that but we should be clearing it pain. i'm yeah. sorry I'm go sorry. ahead no no go ahead no i was gonna say it's it's like the patient that has something completely completely non-specific like knee pain and goes to the hospital without a 12 lead and ends up there's a stemmy under there somewhere you know what i mean it's like like things like that throw up huge flags you know what i mean and and that's the problem is not everything is going to be caught no matter how specific and how thorough you are things are going to jump you know slip through the cracks it's gonna happen and there's so many calls every year I mean there's gonna be a refusal that dies after you leave it's gonna happen there's there's gonna be a patient that doesn't get the treatment that they should have it's gonna happen but
0: but physicians have accepted this though as part of their practice to say you know what I'm not gonna catch everything all the time but I'm gonna be really good at the things I know and they get it and occasionally there's a bad outcome unfortunately you know what the the sad thing is people die kind of every day kind of every minute kind of every second all around the world and we're we're in we're in a society where we don't treat death the same way they do in other cultures where death is acceptable it's part of life it's part of the cycle and you know we have to save every life all the time and that's why we our industry will be so hard to change and that's where i really see that paramedicine has not fit into the traditional medical slash healthcare realm, because we're not willing to take that one person, bad outcome. We want to save everybody every time. And that's dumb. We should be looking at the greater good. And, but our industry was built on the one patient. It wasn't built on the greater good. And until we can change that model, we're not going to, we're not going to make any difference.
1: But the problem is, is I don't even think it's it's an EMS driven problem. Again, I think it's a cultural problem. I can walk away from a patient that died for what you know that that I coded for whatever reason and say, "Oh well, I did everything that I could for that patient," and somebody out there could still look and say, "EMS failed my my loved one," and and therein lies the problem. Is is it's a cultural issue where people just are not accepting what has been accepted by doctors
0: so they're learning they're, so that what you're saying is they're looking for somebody to blame not so much that they're not
1: accepting the truth i i think that's part of it and i for some reason we have consistently ended up being the the fall guy for that
0: okay well I- can I ask you this, and, and the guy from the really big system probably can't answer this question, but everybody else can. How many times have, A, you been personally sued, B, has your service been sued, and C, has um, the system at large that you know have been sued for true malpractice as an EMS provider? Just just want to show of hands, any, any anecdotal evidence will prove your point at this point.
1: Um, It's been very few and far between to my knowledge, but normally what ends up happening is a loved one will sue everybody from the primary care doctor to the emergency room doctor that pronounced the patient and everybody in between.
0: Wait, wait, wait. That was not my question. Have you ever been personally sued? No, I have not. Have you, has your, has your system where you work been personally sued ever? Um, to your knowledge
1: uh not really sure how i can answer that good enough russell my answer my answer
2: is no personally i have not personally been sued and has my service been sued oh yes (laughs) i can answer that without without any any because you have 300 paramedics i'm sorry (laughs) Your odds are high. The times, the times they were in the and and believe this or not, is that the days they were being sued, those 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 periods of time where they were being sued for malpractice, they only had seventy five that were doing the work of three hundred.
0: Okay, so So
2: worked in an opposite direction.
0: Can I ask the question: Were they sued for malpractice, or were they sued because they were jerks? That I don't know. Okay. All right. Because I will, that I personally, that I personally don't, I would challenge any of our listeners to say that when you're sued as a system, you're sued, not because of malpractice. They will find a, they will find an issue with your care. It doesn't matter if it was the most perfect refusal, the most perfect chest pain, the most perfect STEMI that you saved their life, whatever. They will figure out a way to sue you because your people were jerks because they were not nice. That is the highest litigation factor. And talk to Steve Worth, talk to talk to Skip, whoever you want to talk to in the industry. Yeah, people yeah, get no sued number because number. they're not nice. So if we're nice and they and we kill them, we have a much we have a much lower tendency to get sued. I'm just saying, I'm I'm being facetious, but I think the point is, is that true malpractice in our industry is low because we follow this weird game of of trying to bring back this idea that we're going to save every life and we're going to save one person and we're going to save so so that point should be bunk and we should be starting to look at the greater good and and poor Russell and poor Scott we've I, I guess we've diverged from the original topic which was you know divergent different systems and moving patients to different ulterior um, healthcare models but how do we how do we do that in a litigious society and I think that it's hard and I'm, I'm sorry, you, you've hit two buttons with me tonight that I'm personally passionate about because I think that we don't do a very good job of moving people through the healthcare system appropriately when we know what's best for them.
1: Well, do, doesn't this kind of move back to healthcare reform and maybe a little bit of uh, um, a cap, if you will, on how much people can sue for or... Uh, something to limit the litigious behavior.
0: So you're saying tort reform, not healthcare reform. There's two distinct things there. Tort reform is what Bush proposed. Healthcare reform is what Obama proposed. Just making sure that we have two different models here to talk about tort reform. The, um, the lawyers fought tooth and nail. They're like, Oh my God, we've got to be able to sue for the maximum amount because my, every one of my clients has the maximum amount of damage every time I sue on it, and I'm from the South, and I can prove it. 1 800 <laughs> lawyer.com. You can find me there. I will be your advocate till I get every dime I can out of those bleeding bounds. Anyway, or you have what we call healthcare reform that is this idea of creating a universal access model. I think we need to be somewhere in between. Which would be yeah. really nice, and I, because I agree with you, Scott. We've got to reform tort, and that that's huge for for all providers of healthcare, and that will ultimately change the model in which we operate under completely.
2: Well, and if you think about it, with with the the healthcare reform uh, as it stands now, and, and and thinking about tort reform too, is that then the way I see it is is that doctors are still going to be practicing defensive medicine even under healthcare reform, which is still going to be expensive. So then you're gonna have more issues about cost later on, because they're still going to be doing medicine as they are now. And then if if we had some sort of tort reform mixed in, you know, we we would probably see that that cost go down, in addition to getting access to those who need it, because they wouldn't have to practice defensive medicine because they would have that protection from tort reform and the people that didn't have it could still get it at a, at a decent cost. So it's, it's, you know, we need, we do need something in between and it doesn't seem that, you know, we're going to have any answers anytime soon.
0: So we need cost reform. We need tort reform. And ultimately we need a system that will provide equitable access to everybody so that they have a card they know that what they get for that card is a service that is provided by a primary care physician, and they have a place to go. That is the holy grail. I don't know if I'll ever get to that in the United States, but my goodness, I think that would be a beautiful yeah, and system.
2: And, and part of that issue is getting them to actually go to their primary care doctor instead
0: Well. I, I, I live in the I live in the united states i don't need to go unless i 'm sick. Oh wait, we have sick care, not health care that's the other part of the problem. We've apparently lost um Sam for the night, and we've really diverged off a lot of topics tonight and i'm sorry that I took the mic tonight and just kind of ranted so anyway that's just, that's just my fault. So anyway, sorry, Mr. Ludwig, and love that you listen, and I love your system. And I think that there are rooms, room for improvement. Um, I think you should start charging your hospital for every minute over 20 minutes that they keep you waiting on the wall. I think it's a good it's idea. Talk- Toronto that's did actually,
2: it. That's actually been talked about.
0: Yep, Toronto uh, did it, and, and you, you guys can do it too.
2: Talk- yeah, and uh, it was funny that they, the, uh, the city published a manpower study back in 2007, and they, they recognized this problem even way back then. Wow, And uh, yeah, which is kind of interesting that they that they proposed this is that they actually proposed a hospital fine that for every, you know, after 45 minutes, the fire department begins writing citations to the hospital for every ambulance that sits in in the emergency room over a certain amount of time, because they noticed that there was no incentive for them to, as Chief Ludwig said in, in, in the in the news report, is that they're basically using ambulance services as free labor.
0: Very, that, you're exactly right, and and they have kind of come up with this idea that you can use paramedics to um, offset this nursing crisis that we have, which is really kind of at the bottom of the issue, and and part of the healthcare issue too is that uh, we don't have enough nurses to go around too. And that's part of that, That's part of the, that's that's just a slice of the pie of the issue that it, it kind of wraps into this whole quagmire of why are paramedics sitting on the wall waiting so long I, I it's terrible it's absolutely it's a crime almost
2: yeah well they, they they've they uh they're certainly going to try to make it into a crime uh, right on the uh the second part of that article that i posted uh actually involves the the, the guy who's doing the reporting went to the chair went to the the, the committee chair for the public safety committee and they're actually going to all get together and try to figure something out. But good. I mean, we'll see how long that takes.
0: <laughs> right on. Well, Mr. Russell Stein, where can people find out more information about you and read your blog or whatever else you want to talk about?
2: Um, I am hybridmedic.com. um, uh, at hybrid on Twitter, Facebook.com slash hybrid medic. Uh, I also have my little fire project going, which is, uh, the Fire Science Blog dot blogspot dot com. That is my that's my newest little venture. So,
0: yeah, that's can, it. Can, and and as much as Scott loves to kind of rail on fire service, I'm going to actually give you a compliment. You know what pisses me off the most? <laughs> no, no, no. You know what pisses me off the most is fire actually has science. Paramedicine does not. I just want you to notice that you can actually get a fire science degree. Can you get a paramedicine science degree? No, don't think so. I'm just saying that me personally, as I'm offended by the fact that we can't do that in our industry and they have figured it out. Come on people. Anyway, Scott Keir, where can people find out about you?
1: (laughs) Man, I I took a beating this week. Talk about Scott Keir versus the world. Um, Uh, That was two weeks ago. But anyway... I know. I know. That was a fun show, though. Anyway, uh, you can find me uh, at my blog, which is uh, www.medicsbk.com. You can find me on Twitter, at Medicsbk. And feel free to email me, uh, medicsbk at gmail.com. And also, if I could... um, I would like to say congratulations to my friend, colleague, worthy adversary, but like I said, above all else, a friend, uh, Mr. Kyle David Bates on the birth of his daughter.
0: Ah, you, I, you're stealing my podcast, baby. I agree. <laughs> uh, dude, that baby, nine pounds, four ounces. Beautiful yes. baby girl. Yeah, Was that a yes.
2: C-section or was that because the way he was t- the way he tweeted it is it sounded like it was scheduled.
0: I think it was because they knew the he knew the date because he kept telling me I can't be out of town this day. So I think he knew. So it probably was, but holy cow. Wow. I I'm just so happy for him and I don't I could not have kids at my age anymore and he's about my age, so I don't know how he's doing it. Whew, man, tough. It's a lot of sleepless nights. Oh man. Well, thank you guys for listening. Kyle, congratulations on the birth of your baby. We hope to have you back on the soon very or back on the show very soon, back on the soon very soon. Anyway, you know what I mean? Um, oh, nuts. You know what I forgot to do tonight
1: press record yeah
0: i did a little bit no i'm teasing ah, i got you all right i'm just too. No, we got a really good show here and uh, i appreciate all of you listening to us if you're in miami beach next week come see me at the pinnacle conference um we're gonna do a tweet up wednesday night at the uh hemispheres grill at the Lowe's um, at 8 p.m. Come join me. Greg Fries, Chris Sabalero, Skip Kirkwood, a bunch of other people have already RSVP'd. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think I might be able to get Steve Worth there. I'm going to drag him in kicking and screaming off the beach if I can, uh, and a bunch of other people. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And then from there, who knows what we're going to do. So join us next week. And next week on The Garage is going to be probably the most dis- divisive host we've ever had. Mr. Scott here. He'll, he'll be amazing. I guarantee he'll, he'll stir debate. He did to me tonight. It's kind of got me. And, uh, I hope he has equally divisive guests next week. Um, he will be, uh, so I'm, if I'm Rush Limbaugh, who's that guy that kind of hosts every once in a while for Rush Limbaugh. Actually, I want to be George. Don't worry. I, I really like coast to coast AM. So if you're, if you're up all night, like, you know sometimes i am uh listen to coast to coast all night um you have george nori you have um, george knapp and then you have ian pundit so um he could be my george to my george nori and that would be a lot of fun except hopefully he won't be talking about aliens and uh, (laughs) whatever else there is uh go ahead scott i know you're just dying to say something
1: oh no i'm just taking it all in my friend i I, I promise though i will make you proud
0: i can't wait i can't wait to hear that show well thank you for joining us join us next time when we talk more about issues that concern you in ems have a great day night weekend shift whatever you're doing